All right, we'll get started here. We'll get, uh, begin with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for what you have done for us, and we ask that you would be with us and protect us as we go through this week. Be with those folks as they go to school and classes, and as they begin the school year again, just watch over each and every person, help them to make good decisions, give wisdom to teachers and administrators, and just help us, Lord, as time comes closer uh, each and every day to new elections and things. Just pray that you'd give us all wisdom in what we ought to do in this fall. And thank you for the blessings that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we have begun the book of Esther. And with the book of Esther, we are... Last week, we yes, we talked about King Ahasuerus, right? There he was. And... We did not talk about Esther yet. She's not there yet. Okay. So maybe this is the queen. Yes. Which, what's her name? Hey, oh, queen. Hey, hey, it starts with an H. It starts with a V. Hey, <laughs> Vashti. Vashti. Okay. Queen Vashti. And do you remember what the king, Ahasuerus, was doing? Throwing yeah. a big party, okay? And she, he so, was going to be like, come here. Yeah. Why is he throwing a party? I guess we got to that. Right. Well, okay. Bribe him, kind of like, bribe, kinda yeah. like get him to, yeah, to, yeah. to, because what's he want? Power. And to the Jews. More power. power. No, not to the Jews oh. yet. They're not even involved yet. Mm-hmm. Not involved yet. He wants power because he has something he's going to do. He's going to expand. He wants to expand. And where does he want to expand? Greece. Into Greece, yes. So we sort of, there's a terrible boot, okay? And here is a terrible island of Greece. And really, if you were to look at it, it kind of wraps all around like this. Basically... The whole kingdom, all the way around here, which is the, all the Middle East, all the way out through Iraq and Iran, um, way out into there, down into Egypt, okay, or to the edge of Egypt, uh, that's his kingdom. How many provinces or states? Okay, 127. 127 provinces, okay? And he got them by fighting and battling and winning and or expanding into them. So he decides he wants to take uh, an army and a navy and fight in a famous battle. Um, He's going to take over Greece. He wants Greece in his kingdom because big power, big money, big armies, okay? And if he can get them and get control over them, then he's in good shape. So he brings in all of his governors from these provinces and he say look at my wealth and it's not a problem I can go do this I just need the support of you and your armies and so they do go to battle okay we'll get to that in a second meanwhile all right he has this big long party it's for how long six months months he holds a party okay that's a pretty serious party And at the very end of his six months, he's got a seven-day feast. And he is drunk when he gets to the very end of it. Okay? Probably not a good plan for the leader of the 
free world or non-free world at the time, right? Probably not a good plan, but here he is. He's drunk, and then I got a great idea. Bring out the queen. She's beautiful. I'll show. I've been showing him all my wealth. I'll show him how beautiful my queen is. And she says, "Nope, I'm not coming." All right. Makes him angry. Embarrasses him in front of his entire people that he's trying to show that he has power. Right? I got power and authority. Yet the queen won't come because I. Uh, don't really have the authority over her, apparently. And so he's going to show her. And he's going to do something rash. He banishes her, okay? And he's going to regret it. But the problem with it is in many ancient cultures, they looked at the top leader as at least appointed by the gods, okay? If not... They deified him directly and said, you are a god. So if he said something, he made it a law, you can't change it. Otherwise, you're not really a god or appointed by the gods because you don't make mistakes. So once they set something into law and the king set something into law, he stuck with it. And so he did it and he banished Queen Vashti. He can never see her again. Right? And he's kind of regretting it. But off he goes, okay, off he goes into battle. And he has this very famous battle that he heads off. He, I think he had 300 ships or so. They destroyed his navy. Okay? The problem with fighting the Greeks is the Greeks were tough warriors. I mean, they really learned how to battle, right? Who's the famous battle state in the, in the city-state of Greece? Sparta. Sparta, right? They were unbeatable. Sparta was raised in their society to beat an army. That was it. That was the only thing you did, was the Spartans came and they beat everybody. All right? So they are one of the city-states in Greece, and all the city-states get together and they are going to beat on their own home turf. You know, they've already got an advantage, right? They're going to beat the Persian army, the Medes and the Persians, as they come under King Ahasuerus. What happens is a famous battle, and you can look it up, exact details. Okay. I'm, I'm going to spell it that right, and it's not quite right. Thermopylae is the famous battle of Thermopylae, okay? Uh... And in the famous battle of Thermopylae, essentially what happens is this great big Persian army is coming in, and the Greeks have a little tiny narrow pass. They kind of put them through, and the, the Persian army has to pass through that narrow pass. All they do is, is block the pass and kill everybody as they come. So you can't fit a whole army in. They can't do their great big march on them and divide them and conquer them, they're in little tiny rows and they just, oh, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> That's it. They kill them all. Or kill them enough so that they surrender and leave. Okay? And so now the king is back. And this is where we think this, this battle lies, is between when he banished King, Queen Vashti and ch chapter 2. 
begins chapter 2 by saying, well, after all these things were done, then he starts to think. So here he is. He lost the battle. The one that he was going to do, he brought all of his governors in and said, I'm going to win this battle. All you got to have is the army. They all go back licking their wounds, lost, and he's feeling pretty bad about himself. Okay? And that's where we start chapter 2 of chapter 2 of the book of Esther. Okay? So if you would start one, two, three, and 4, please. Chapter 2. Right. 1, 2, 3, 4. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be a fair young virgin sought for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the province of the kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgin to Shushan. Shushan. Like Shushine, but not really. The police to the house of the woman unto the custody of Hege. Hege, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the woman and after things of persecution be given. And let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of him. And the thing please the king. All right, so here he is, lost a battle, feeling bad, moping around, thinking, man, I miss Queen Bastion. That was kind of dumb to kick her out. Maybe I should have done something different. But I can't undo it because I'm the king which would mean that I not only would have lost a battle and lost my home battle by I can't get my queen to do what I want, but now I come back and admit that I'm wrong, I can't do that. So he's angry and he's cranky. Not that anybody would ever be cranky around here if they had a bad day, but he's angry and he's cranky about the whole thing and says, kind of gets miserable. And what happens when people are cranky? They do stuff. They do stuff, right? To who? Everybody around. Everybody around. And his servants say, man, he is annoying. We have got to do something to get this guy to stop bugging us. We got to figure out a way because he is just more and more angry every day. Let's have a contest. This is what we're going to do. He got rid of Queen Vashti. It was a dumb thing to do, but he did it anyways. And now, we gotta, we got to figure out something. So, we're going to go throughout the whole kingdom. Every one of these 127 provinces. And we're going to find the most beautiful, eligible girls in the whole place. And take them all. We'll take every one of them. All the best looking ones. Okay? We'll just take them. He's the king, right? You can do whatever he wants. All right? So they come up with this idea, and the king says, yeah, that's a great idea. So I get to choose which one I want? Yep, you get to choose. We'll pick all the best ones in the whole kingdom, and 
you get to pick which one's your queen. Well, of course, he's going to say that's a good idea, right? <laughs> right? Sure, I think that's a great idea. All right, so how do they do it? And that's really the next thing. Here, here's what's interesting about it. When you look in that, how are they going to get the women? Who says it in there? What are they doing? How are they making this happen? Are they just putting out a, a decree? They appoint officers. What's an officer do? What kind of officers do we have in our lives? Police officers. Police officers. And what do they do? They have authority, right? They're given authority to do something. Whether they carry a gun or handcuffs, they're given authority to stop people, they're given authority to take people and take them to jail, they're given authority to arrest people, okay? You can't necessarily go out and arrest somebody that you don't like, but somebody that's given authority, okay, somebody that's given authority to do so, so here's what it is. Do you think all these girls, oh yeah, I'll just go, because what's the chance that they're going to be the one? Say, say that they go to 127 provinces and get one beautiful woman per province. So there's 127 of them. Only one. We'll say that. So you've got a 1 in 127 chance that you're going to be the one. Okay? That's not very good. Say they get two women from each one. Or ten women. <laughs> All of a sudden, you don't have very good chance if you get ten women... From each one of these provinces, which is probably not that many, now you're against 1,200 different girls, and only one's going to win. Do you know what happens to the rest? Oh, yeah, they have to stay and be served. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a great deal. Why don't you stay and become a slave for the rest of your life? And if the king ever happens to remember your name... <laughs> right. Only if he remembers your name, if you were enough of a beautiful enough girl for him to remember it. What was number 463 like? I don't remember. Eh. So for the rest of their life, they are slaves. Put away in a house belonging to the king. They live together with all the rest of the other slave women. Wow, sounds like a great plan, right? <laughs> so how many of you think went willingly? Maybe not very many of them, okay? Maybe a couple thought, yeah, I got this thing in the bag, no problem. I'm the most beautiful one in whatever province here, in Saudi Arabia. I'm great. And I'm guessing that many of them were just taken by force. Right? Just taking them. And they probably hid some of the girls. If it was my daughter, I'd try to hide them, right? You don't want the king taking them. Now, there's always a chance if they find out, they kill you and them, or take them anyways and kill you. Okay? Or take you, too, as a slave, right? Because he's a king. He does whatever he wants. When you are all powerful in a place like this, so... At the whim of this man, because he's lonely and made a stupid mistake, 
you all are going to suffer. Might sound familiar today, right? People make choices, and at the whim of one person making a choice, saying you can do this or you can't do that or whatever, right? You are stuck doing whatever they say. They're an authority. And that's Esther's no different. She no doubt was taken. So what do you think the attitude of those women was when they got there? What happens when you put a thousand women into one spot, okay, and they're not happy that they're there? <laughs> All right? <laughs> it's not going to be pretty, right, for a long time. And do you think, and then put them all in a contest against each other where only one's going to win. What do you think is going to happen amongst them? Oh, they're going to battle, right? They're going to fight. The claws are coming out, man, and they're going to be nasty to one another because they got one shot, and that's it, to be the queen. And if they're not the queen, if they don't win the top prize, they get nothing but slavery for the rest of their life. Not such a hot thing, right? This is not a good plan. Seems good for the king because he has nothing to lose, right? But at the whim of his, eh, I don't want her. I don't want her. I don't want her. No good. Why don't you get more? Okay? They bring in hundreds, maybe thousands of women, and say... You're, you belong to the king now. Okay? You'll be locked up in house arrest probably for the rest of your life. And the chances are you'll never, ever see your family again. That's it. It's not too good of a picture. So why does God let this happen? Well, first of all, the government has no cares about God. It has Uiris. He doesn't care what God thinks. Doing what he wants, because he believes he has all authority. Right? I have all the riches, I have all the power, and I'm going to do what I want to do. So it's interesting to see that with one winner. Here's your choice. One winner and hundreds of losers. Right? Hundreds of losers. So how do you think they feel about the prettiest girls that come in? What sort of feelings might they have? Jealousy, right? Anger and jealousy, and they're going to be at each other. So there's this guy, Haggai, okay? It's spelled that way, and I've also seen it spelled like that, okay? Haggai. It's his job to corral all of these women and keep them on a strict regiment together doing what they're supposed to be doing. All right? Now, to be fair, this man did not choose this job. But someone probably chose him from when he was very young. All right? And not to be disgusting, but this is what happened to many of the men servants is when they were young, they castrated them. Okay? And why do you castrate a, a guy that's in charge of a bunch of women? So he has no interest in any of them. 
And that's the truth. He was chosen probably as a young boy, and you are stuck to serve the king for the rest of your life. You have no choice. This is what you're doing. So at least he probably feels for these women, okay? But he's probably known no different. He probably was taken as a very young boy, whether he was a slave from some other province or taken from another country that they took over, I don't know, or just stolen from somewhere, or raised just for that purpose. That's what they did in the king's courts. It seems very wonderful until you get down to what, how they kept order, and they kept order in a very gruesome way. Essentially, power over any person they could, right? And it, you, you talk about not having rights. Those people had no rights, none. Any way that they wanted to, any way the king has violated as they might feel, it doesn't matter. You are here to serve me. I have the power. I have the armies. I you want to live or die? That's it. Okay? Very gruesome. Very gruesome. And a tough story. You don't, you hear, well, there's a beauty contest. Oh, that's so great. No. It was not great. It was not great for anybody but one. Maybe as she won the, the queenship. Okay? So God had this plan. Right? God had this plan. And we're going to pick up on verse number 5, and I'll pick up there. Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew named, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And when he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Soon, or so it came to pass when the king's commandments and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Haggai, the that Esther was brought also under the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. All right. So Esther, this is where we first come up with Esther. Esther is an orphan. Okay. Her mother and father both died. So what you need to know is somewhere along the line, way back when, in fact, three generations before Mordecai shows up, there was another big, mighty king who came in, okay? And this big, mighty king's name was Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Nebuchadnezzar, he was a king in Babylon. And Babylon was a, a great, big, fancy kingdom. And they said built with gold throughout the city. All of his bricks in the entire city were stamped with his name on it. A little bit of pride going on there, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> every single building had a Nebuchadnezzar, his mark stamped on the bricks. So everyone would know forever how great King Nebuchadnezzar was. He came into Israel, which is where 
Mordecai's great-grandfather lived at the time. And he stole them and took them back to be a slave under his kingdom in Babylon. So generations passed under Nebuchadnezzar, and then I believe it was his grandson, he lost the kingdom to the Persians. The Medes and the Persians came and took over their kingdom. They took Babylon through a mistake. They were having a big party. Sounds familiar, right? Having a big party one night, and there were water gates that they closed every afternoon that locked the river down. The river flowed right under the city of Babylon, okay, right under the city walls, which locked everything up. There were these big brass gates. They locked everything up, they shut them there, and, and no boat traffic could pass through at night. They guarded it during the day. Apparently somebody forgot to lock the gates. And the Persians and Medes were waiting on the outside. They'd been working for months. They had had the city sieged where people could not necessarily pass in and out. They had been digging the river the Euphrates River, a great big ditch all the way around, way, way around the city. And that was their night. They waited for the opportunity. They knocked open that ditch and inflowed the river around their ditch right around the city. And they pushed open the gates and marched the whole army in while they were having a party and took them over. Okay? And so they, the, the Medes and the Persians, now pass this kingdom down. They've taken over the kingdom and the Medes and the Persians take over. And what you'll find if you wait long enough, after this story is done, the Greeks come and take these guys over. The ones, the battle that they couldn't beat, right? The army they couldn't beat, the Greeks are going to come and take all this over again. All right? Which is going to set up the kingdom for Christ to come after the Romans take over that. Okay, So there's time in between these things. But what's happening is now Mordecai... Here has um, his cousin, okay, his uncle's daughter, or his cousin, who was younger than he was, obviously. That was her parents, okay? His uncle was her parents, and they passed away. Probably through, I, I don't know what circumstances, okay? Maybe through slavery here, or maybe something else, all right? But either way, Esther's parents died. Mordecai is watching and takes care of her as his own daughter. She is raised. She's a beautiful girl. Mordecai works as some sort of worker within the palace. Okay, He has access. Now, we're not talking like he's in with the king, but he works as, I don't know, maybe a financial person or, or maybe he does heavy labor. I don't know, really, at the beginning. But as people watch him, they say he's a pretty smart guy, and he kind of works his way up through in the big government, okay, under the palace. So Esther is now a slave generation for four generations, okay? Mordecai, same type of thing. And they really don't know anything else. They never grew up in Israel, although they're Israelites, they belong there. 
but they've always just lived in Babylon and or the city of Shushan, okay, taken away. So that's all they've known. And yet God has a plan through this whole thing. God's plan continues to work, even when it doesn't seem like it should anymore. All right, verse number 9. Uh, somebody read that. Verse 9, and we're going to read through verse 14. Anybody? And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her her things for purification, and such things as belonged to her in seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids under the best place of the house. Esther had not sheared her women, nor her, her people, nor her kindred, for Mordecai, Mordecai had charged her that she should not shoot. And, and, and Mordecai walked every day for boycott of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now when every maid's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things of the purifying of the women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king, whatsoever she desired was given her to go out of the house of the women under the king's house. And in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned in the second house of the women to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. All right? So Esther is a natural beauty. She is... Somebody that everybody says, wow, she's gorgeous when they look at her, all right? And even the other women see it. They're like, man, she is really a beautiful woman, all right? No doubt there was jealousy in some, okay? The losers go to Sheashgaz, okay? And he, Sheashgaz... Maybe you can name your kid that. I don't know. All right. He is the guy who's in, in charge of the women after they lose. Okay? Haggai gets the, the, the women before they lose the contest. Okay? And he's got to make sure they're taken care of. And so they bathe in the, these myrrh and aloes for six months every day. They are literally working to get their skin perfect and their hair perfect and everything for six months. And then they go into other perfumes for six months every day. One year before they get to see the king. Okay. Now, likely, many of these girls probably worked where they came from. And what do you get on your skin when you work? Calluses. calluses. King doesn't want calluses. Right? They want to see this beautiful, soft, 
skinned woman. Perfect. So you got a year to get there. Everything's got to fade away, okay? And you've got to look like the perfect picture. You got one shot. You're going in in the evening and every girl does it. And you come out in the morning and if he does not remember your name, they're never going to call you again. Okay? Never. Your whole life. You'll never, ever see him probably again if he does not remember who you are. Right? Yes, it's, it's on the whim of some guy. No, it's not a good thing. But even when there is this very weird thing going on, God still has his hand in what's going on. All right? He still has his hand in it. And so... Verse number 15, as we pick up. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, uh, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her. So they all saw she was beautiful. So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus unto the, the, whole, the house royal in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king made a great feast unto all the princes, uh, and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, the Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. So here it is, Esther. Hadassah also. She's not going to bring anything else in. Now all the other women are, give me diamonds and jewels and all these things, okay? Make me look amazing. Give me that thing so I can be beautiful and so he remembers me. And Esther says, if he doesn't remember who I am, then so be it. That's it. She is resigned to the fact that God has a plan for her. Even though the chances are next to nothing. She wins. She's got a one in a thousand chance, or one in how many ever hundred chance, or a couple thousand chance, okay? Not very much. She waits. She goes in, and right away the king knows her. The king says, she's amazing. Picks up the crown, puts it on her head, right then and there. So do you really think that's him? Or do you really think God made him be attracted to her? Maybe both. Maybe God had him be attracted to a certain type of woman in a certain way from, the, from his youth. Maybe God created that in him. All right? Because God's plan, he's not held back by anybody. Even though they turn against him, he still controls things. All right? 
So he is out there and he is doing things and this is where government has been inserting themselves into people's lives, stealing from them, taking from them, and Esther is not bitter. Even as she goes in with a very slim chance. She's not bitter. She does not know she's going to win this contest. She just has given up and resigned to the fact that God is in control of this. However this goes is okay. Right? So one last thing that happens, as she trusts the Lord, our circumstances, she, when we have no control on them, sometimes you just have to give over to God, what he says. Verse number 21 in those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door and were, were wroth, or they were angry, and they sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified that the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when the Inquisition was made a matter of, it was found out, and they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. So Mordecai is listening. He has moved up a little bit. He's in some sort of a little bit of a leadership position where he's judging over matters. Now, they might be small of he stole my donkey, you know, he ruined my front door, whatever it is, okay? But he's judging in the king's gate. He's in the king's gate, which means he's got some sort of authority position. Okay, He's listening, and all of a sudden he hears Big Than and Tresh are two guards. They're a little angry at what the king's been doing. Maybe they're angry. Maybe one of their uh, relatives was stolen to be taken and lost the contest. Either way, they're angry, and they're going to kill the king. They are making... Up plans to kill the king. Mordecai hears it. He gets an, a message to Esther. Esther goes to the king, puts it down in his chronicles, so it's written, Mordecai did this. They go and investigate the matter, and within a very short time, they hang the two men. Gone. That's how he held justice, okay? <laughs> hang them, that's all. Make sure everybody knows what happens if you go against the king. Hang them. Quick and it's done just like that. Right? So now what happens? King forgets all about it. Saved my life, Mordecai saved my life. We wrote it all down. Eh, just another day. Alright? It is hard not to become bitter when you don't know what's going on and you think, why don't I get what's fair in my life? Why don't I see God's hand always in my life? Because like this story with Esther and Mordecai, you have to trust in something much, much bigger in your life, something much further out, okay, that God has a plan, God is working, and it may not seem like he's in control, but he is. He can do anything that he puts his desire to and make it happen. We often don't have control in our lives, and that's where we have to learn to release that to God and say, it's okay, I just trust he will take care of me. 
Next, next week, we will see an evil blast from the past comes on the scene as we meet a new character. Thank you very much. Have a good day.